Welcome back to podcast four of the Sisterhood Book Study on Father Jacques Philippe's book, Searching For and Maintaining Inner Peace. So last week, we focused on the obstacles to us experiencing peace. And two of these were our lack of trust and confidence that God will work all things for our good and our our glory. And also just looking at the suffering in others. And we finished off with giving women some homework. And that homework was to just observe, I guess, the providence of God in our life and the delicacies of love or sister, as you called them, our asparagus moments, which I like. (laughs) So I was just wondering how you went with finding your asparagus moments in the past week well I didn't find asparagus but I did (laughs) not exactly but um I have received a lot of joy little funny moments in the garden um no asparagus but just going out and being shocked like oh my gosh yeah so you have given up hope on these little seeds that I planted ages ago and there you go spinach Today yeah, I have seven spinach plants. Yep, beautiful. Fantastic. Awesome. <laughs> what about you, Therese? <laughs> oh, if I was to compare it to my asparagus moment, it would be my chocolate mousse and daffanoir cheese moment. Woohoo! Woohoo! <laughs> so delicious. Um, but the other day I was walking um, around our block in the country um, down a hill and I was saying the rosary and I was praying for a particular intention and really asking God, for a miracle and as I looked up there was a beautiful rainbow in the sky and for me that was just a little kiss from heaven Mm. uh, and just a little moment of love from God beautiful that's so beautiful I um mine was a little different mine came in the words and the presence of people so I think I woke up Mother's Day I think I'd shared last podcast that just the homeschooling thing got to me in the week before and and I was a bit snappy with my kids and so I didn't feel like a very good mum and anyway I woke up Mother's Day feeling a bit downheartened and it was funny because I received these five texts within moments of waking up from a couple from friends and they were just really beautiful wishing me happy Mother's Day and saying you're such a beautiful amazing mum and then my two brothers as well who I don't think I've ever received a message on Mother's day from just saying happy mother's day and you know you're such a beautiful witness of motherhood so they that was my little delicacy of love it was like the lord reassuring me you're still on the right path (laughs) even though um, even though you know we have shortcomings he's still there it's beautiful so he moves on in this chapter to acknowledge all these other reasons which cause us to lose our peace and these are ones that we'll unpack today what happens when those around us suffer and what happens when people around us behave in ways that cause us to lose our peace I like that it's sort of saying it's their Mm -hmm. fault they've caused us to lose our peace but we will learn (laughs) that perhaps there is another way so I'm just wondering what resonated with both of you this week when you read the chapter yeah I think for me what resonated was just the patience the patience of God uh, as a great um, model of of where to go when we're losing our peace for either of those reasons, especially the second one. <laughs> mm. What about you, Therese? I think what struck me was just the overall breakdown of the practical things that come in our way to lose our peace and being aware of what those things are so that we can overcome them. Yeah. Because I feel so often I'm not even aware of why I've lost my peace, but the way Father Jacques has broken it down has made me more aware of what those things are. 
Yes. Yeah. And I think that's actually really helpful. I know I've found that really helpful is just tease because often it's not just one thing, is it? Often we can be reacting, but there's all this, there's maybe five things happening below the surface that mm-hmm. are coming together. And I think, you know, last podcast we were talking about just the busyness of our lives and the packed schedule that we've all been living under and how one of the graces and the gifts of isolation has been just to slow down a little bit and to become more still. And I think in that stillness, like for myself, I know I have been able to be more mindful, more intentional about asking myself, okay, where is this coming from in me? And mm. and trying to really pray into that. I think that's been very helpful. I, I have found this chapter really confronting just around, for myself, The it's not so much the suffering of others but the behaviour of others <laughs> that causes mm-hmm. us to lose peace. And And so I really got a lot out of that and look forward to unpacking that as we talked this morning. So I think what he's he's moving on, he's talking about the suffering that we witness in other people's lives and, and how this causes us distress and is a cause for us to lose our peace. I think when we see suffering in other people's lives, it's obviously distressing to watch it. But Father Jacques makes the point that it reminds us of our fear of suffering ourselves. And I think sometimes we can take that on the suffering of other people to a point where it can cause us a bit of distress. I know when I was an oncology palliative care nurse many years ago now, you couldn't help sometimes but become close to those families and carry some of that pain. I mean, nursing people with cancer and who were dying every day. And I had to learn early on about entrusting them to the Lord so I wasn't carrying them I guess, and and carrying their suffering in my heart because that's not healthy. I think when people are suffering, what they really need is someone who will firstly sit with them in their pain and not run away and leave them alone in their pain because I think Mm. there's an element of isolation that comes with suffering and I think it's a real gift um, when you can sit with a person in their pain, like in Job, he, he just needed some people to, and friends to be with him in that, not to necessarily have all the answers. But people also need a strong, peaceful, confident presence because when you're suffering and you lose your way and you lose sight of Christ in that pain, you need someone who is full of that confident abandonment to the Lord who can point you back to him and to lend you their confidence. I love when Father Jacques says compassion for others must proceed from love and not fear. And when we let go of the spirit of fear and welcome that love, then the people who we're caring for and who have been put in our path to love feel that sense of confidence that you were talking about, Karen, and through by praying for them and supporting and loving them in a spirit of peace and abandonment to God, it allows that relationship to be strengthened, founded on love, not fear. Mm. And it's interesting, I, um, I mentioned the last podcast about some of these children um, that myself and my team through One Plate have encountered across the developing world and the suffering that they've gone through. But what's so fascinating for me is looking at Uh, the Christian volunteers that volunteer in these places of uh, how much joy and hope and peace they have in the midst of these slums and this great suffering. 
compared to the humanitarian aid workers who have no faith, mm-hmm. um, who are very secular, and often they end up quite depressed and sad and burnt out by the level of suffering that they um, deal with every day um, and working with these children because it's so hard. But through the through a Christian lens with Christ, we see that there is so much hope for these children because we have mm-hmm. our eyes upon heaven. And even though we're seeing the same suffering, we can actually support these children with a, with a hope and bring that peace. Mm-hmm. And what you're saying, Therese, is true that there is hope. But I think the point Father Jacques also makes is that there's hope because in all people there is Christ. He makes this mm-hmm. point that within everybody, you know, Christ lives within all of us. And so if Jesus is in somebody, then Jesus is hope. And there's always the hope of the resurrection, the hope that something will be restored and transformed. And I think that's mm-hmm. a really powerful perspective to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that um, my own experience of just, you know, being a sister on the other side of the world for most of the time and you you hear back from home from your family who I love dearly um, and at different moments they were experiencing such horrendous suffering mm. uh, and I had to come to a place where I could let Christ in them be the one to console them because mm. I couldn't be there in person to do that. So that actually gave me a lot of um piece of of not carrying them myself because that's not what he was asking of me to do you know and and by doing that I was I was actually closing myself off from the people I was over there to serve you know um so but not not easy very very difficult and I think probably still difficult for my family Mm. you know to to understand uh but but yeah but that but that no less was it an accompaniment by not carrying it myself it was very much I felt I lived with them those sufferings but but letting but letting Christ be the one who actually heals Mm. Mm. absolutely I also love this just quote from 2 Corinthians when he talks about, it, we read it in the divine office quite often and I love it. He talks about, he, blessed be God who comforts us in all our affliction so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted. So mm. this having, I think St. Bernadette talks about, you know, suffering passes but having suffered endures there's um having been comforted by the lord becomes an incredible treasure to pass on it endures Mm. Mm. that's beautiful mother Teresa said pain and suffering have come into your life but remember pain sorrow suffering are but the kiss of jesus a sign Mm. that you have come so close to him that he can kiss you Mm. And I've always loved that quote because I think, oh, the suffering or pain that we go through, that we become so close to Christ and enter into that redemptive suffering, that when we receive that kiss from Jesus, then we that enlargens our heart and enlargens our love to love people more deeply and love people more deeply in their suffering. And just going back to what you were saying, Karen, about the first part, of loving people deeply in their suffering but 
not carrying it as a burden for ourselves so that we can love them more mm. purely and with yeah. more hope um, is can be a difficult thing. But I just, I wanted to share a story that spoke to me and it was, it's about my grandmother who is, who was a deeply spiritual woman and had a great gift of prayer and many, uh, many great charisms and many healings happened through her prayer. And so a lot of people would call her up every day asking for prayer and they would come to her um, healing for prayer, healing and ministry. And one day a lady called her up and said, my son has been on drugs for the last 20 years. He's um, suicidal and in deep, deep depression and nothing has helped him. He's tried medication and been to countless psychologists. And so um, my grandmother said, I'll bring him over um, to my house and I'll pray with him. And he came over and the mother and son sat on my grandmother's couch and my grandmother prayed for this man for deliverance for healing for miracles and she prayed and she prayed and she prayed with him Mm -hmm. and she said we will not get off this couch until we receive healing and we receive a miracle and so they were on that couch for hours it was it was nearly all day it was over eight hours they sat on that couch just praying for god's miracle and it came Anyhow, he left a free man, completely transformed and has never gone back to drugs and had a complete conversion, total turnaround and never um, had depression again. But the next day when my grandmother woke up, she laid in bed and she was so exhausted Mm. and tired that she couldn't get out of bed. And she said to God, if this is a ministry you're calling me into with praying and praying for these miracles, I can't keep doing this because every day I won't be able to get out of bed or feel exhausted. And she'd realized her heart, blood pressure went up and wow. she realized that she was actually carrying that suffering so deeply that she hadn't let it go. Mm-hmm. And so she sat in bed and she prayed and asked for God's wisdom. How do I not carry this? How do I pray and let it go and pray for protection? And God spoke to her strongly and said, from this day forward, I want you every day to pray Psalm 91 and Ephesians 6. So Psalm 91, the prayer of protection, and Ephesians 6, the spiritual armour. And she never experienced that burnout and exhaustion again. She prayed that over her life every day and it's gone through the generations um our family and um the grandchildren everyone prays those two scriptures every day for protection but i think it also helps us to understand that um to deeply love people and be empathetic and compassionate in their suffering but we can't without it burdening us Mm. because once it burdens us then we're limited in our in our love and limited in our giving that we're not operating from a place of abundant love and abundant overflow where we start to operate from a place of depletion, which Mm. doesn't serve us or God or the other person. And I think that leads really beautifully into this next point about the behaviour of others causing us to lose peace because it's it's a similar thing. When someone's irritating us or has hurt us, just as when we're witnessing someone's pain, like taking that and entrusting that to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And I think he talks about, you know, when someone offends and hurts us, how do we respond? And I think there's two categories here. There's those who deliberately hurt us and those who do so accidentally. Uh, I remember there was a saint, I don't know what saint it was, who said, if I didn't have to deal with 
any person, I would be holy. <laughs> so true. Um, it's it meaning that all the sin of the other person was caused by their irritation with others. Um, but then this saint realized it was that exact point dealing with others that would be their path to heaven and that it would make them a saint. And it, it did make them a saint. I wish I could remember which saint it was. Mm-hmm. But so often um, that is our path to heaven. That's our path to sanctity is how we respond to those words that are said to us that can really take a grip of our heart and can really quickly take and rob and steal our peace. I remember uh, a few months ago I received, it was a work situation, I received a text message from somebody and it was quite, it was quite an intense text message and it immediately stole my peace mm. and it was really hard for me to get over it. And I held on to it and it just, those words just totally unraveled me. And when I'm in a place of prayer, it's so much easier for me to stand in that firm truth of who I am, but taking it on board and just going over and over it in my mind and not taking it to God, it becomes so much bigger than it actually is. And that steals that peace. Yeah. So I think to be able to take those moments where somebody says something and it's hard for us to be able to take it to God and leave it there is, is really difficult because mm. you know sometimes we actually, sometimes we like to mull over it and, yeah. and we get some benefit, some crazy benefit of mulling over. I don't know what, but we mull it and it's harder to let go. Mm. But that just, that robs us of our peace. Mm. Yeah, it just festers yeah. and it closes us to God. And I think um, we, we have a funny rule in our community. So we, we, we still use the rule of St. Augustine, which is, you know, pretty old. <laughs> and, so, and, and at the end of the rule of St. Augustine, it says, and you should read this every week. So we do. And there's <laughs> this one line in there that says, talks about conflict among in the community. And it talks about how it's really important to resolve things quickly so that we don't mull over them. And he has this line, he says, um, to be careful that we don't make of a moat a beam mm-hmm. uh, and um, and cause the soul to be guilty of murder, he says. You know, like we, in the end we end up killing the person in our minds over yes. something that was probably trivial in the moment, but yes. the time left um, uh, turning it into a resentment um, yeah. is really dangerous for the soul. Yeah. Absolutely. I I remember John Bevere wrote this book called The Bait of Satan and it was really great. He was saying, you know, any time we are offended, that is the bait of Satan. He's holding out bait for us, waiting, and he just knows that we'll take it (laughs) because we're human. Like you said, you know, how many times have we had conversations with people in the shower in our mind, (laughs) like, you know, arguments, (laughs) and you've, like, got this whole argument happening and then you're, like, just standing there in the shower. (laughs) But it's the bait of Satan and that's that offence. Like when we're offended by somebody, whether that's intentional or not like we take that offense and like you said sister we turn it into a resentment and allow it to fester and I think you know in his book he was saying you know we've just got to refuse to take the bait of Satan like Mm -hmm. just refuse and and go in the opposite direction and that is a, a spirit of gentleness and peace that even mm. when we are offended like to take a step back and ask the Lord into it and to respond in an attitude of gentleness and peace. I mean, how many times 
have you encountered or been on the receiving end of someone who's angry and lashes out versus somebody who's really gentle and and corrects you in truth and love like it's a very different experience yeah yeah and I think I try and teach my kids this that love wins all the time like gentleness peace and love as your response wins every time I don't think of that movie that you know the Anne of Green Gables movie and I you know, the scene where um, Anne is a teacher and the headmaster, the headmistress is this really bitter, resentful mm. woman and she's so harsh towards Anne and Anne just keeps turning up and being kind and being yeah. gentle and Ooh. eventually it gives way and it softens her spirit. I often yeah. think people who are really angry and who act like that, like they have, like that's coming from a place of pain or a wound in them. Yeah. So how... I guess a different perspective is how awful to be then to have to respond mm. in that way, like that they don't have the freedom to respond with gentleness and peace. And I yeah. think, mm. you know, Father Jacques talks about how hard it is for us to overcome our own faults. Like I know in my own life how hard I try and how much I fail, but then I keep getting up and I try again. And he said, you know, the Lord is so patient with us. And so how much more should we be patient with others? Mm. And I like what you said, Karen, because everybody has a story and we have no idea what they've lived Mm. or what they've experienced for them to say those words or whatever they've said or done or have hurt us. And for us, it's so hard for us not to judge, but to not judge allows us to love them for who they are. And I remember, I think it was a saint, somebody saying, if you had walked in their shoes, how would you be? What You would have no idea how you would act. And so something that's, I suppose, for me personally, it's a bit of a motto that I try and um, take on each day is accept, don't expect. Because often our expectations of people is what causes us to lose peace. We expect people to react in a certain way or we expect people to say something or not say something, whatever it might be. So we have this great expectation of what people should or shouldn't be. Mm. But if we just accept them for who they are and you not expect anything from them, our only expectation should be in God, yes. then suddenly it puts us in this place of calm and peace when others around us may not be. But that goal of accepting and not expecting and deciding on that daily and being intentional to ex- intentional in ex- accepting people as they are mm-hmm. allows us to actually remain, keep that interior peace no matter what the circumstances exteriorly are happening around mm-hmm. us. Absolutely. Yeah, I was reading um, St Thomas More. Uh, the sadness of Christ all through Lent and I think we're in week five of Easter I'm still reading it <laughs> but he was remarkable for his um, uh, his desire to love his enemies and he has all these quotes at the back of this this book that he was writing in prison um, his great desire to see to to be a great friend to his enemies. And one of his thoughts, lines of thought that helped him maintain that disposition was just realising there aren't any ordinary people, right? They're going to be either everybody in front of me is ever either going to be my companion for eternity in joy, you know, and unity with God yeah. or someone I would 
pity forever, you know, at the at the devastating loss. Um, and so just the kindness that we we um, owed everybody, it just helped, mm. helped him a lot to maintain that. Yeah, I think one thing I'm noticing, like you said, is, is how we see people, sister. And I, what I'm seeing more, and, and I think you mentioned it's very much the Australian way, is this culture of criticism and put down. And even in our minds, we do it with people. But I notice it a lot. And I think we'd all do so well to have a spirit of affirmation that just Mm. encourages and affirms people, even if they're irritating you, like look for the good in them and affirm that. I know with my kids, you know, there's times where, you know, they might be annoying or they might not be doing something the way I want them to. But if I can focus on what they're doing right and affirm them, they're more open to that correction. I know mm. for my husband too, like if I, they say you need to give one, um, what is it, five positive things for every negative. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we really need to be putting more focus. I know with my husband, like men particularly love and crave affirmation. Yeah. And, mm. you know, it just, it opens people's hearts. And, and I know for, in my marriage, like I really try and practice that as a daily practice, trying to find something. So, you know, in marriage as with religious life or any other vocation, like you go through seasons that are challenging. And I think in the challenging seasons of marriage, one thing that's always been really helpful for me is to focus, and Jonathan does the same with me, to focus on what the other person's doing well because you can very easily in a season that's not, you know, going as great as other seasons slip into that negative pattern of criticism, which destroys intimacy, whether it's intimacy in marriage or friendship. Um, And so I think it's just a really good practice to get into of encouraging and affirming and and gratitude for the good in those around us. It helps us see past their faults. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think it's so important to speak it out because so often people might think something beautiful about someone, but actually speaking it out to that person can actually be life-changing for that person. It could be transforming. You don't know the the small affirmation you might say to someone could actually be quite um, quite pivotal in mm. for them in their life. Absolutely. So important. Yeah. I think that's really hard in our Aussie culture, though. I mean, especially the kind of... Irish, you know, is diff kind of very reticent. You know, you just you're expected to just do your job and be quiet about it and don't say anything and don't expect any praise. It's very hard uh, to overcome that. Um, Mm. I know for myself, you know, the I see the flourishing, especially of these young kids at school, the young boys particularly. They flourish with affirmation. But in your regular life, I find it even now still very challenging to put into words and affirmation because it's not something that I've grown up um, Mm. seeking or relying on or hasn't been part of my, you know, way of being. So I feel almost fake getting it out. (laughs) (laughs) But Mm -hmm. but it, it does have good fruits, you know. Mm. And I think developing, it's, it's like seeing it as a habit. So how do we grow in a new habit? We need to practice it. Yeah, right. I, mm. I know the American culture is so different to here because it's just, oh, it's ridiculous. Like the affirmation and the praise and the encouragement is abundant 
we've yeah. we've found that we do a lot of business over there and Jonathan speaks a lot and it's just so refreshing it's like you said mm. you don't look for it and you don't necessarily need it but it's a mm. gift it's, it's really yeah. beautiful so I think mm. it's, yeah it's mm. and I think you're yeah you're right sister Mary Helen that we're living in a culture within Australia it is very much very much critical the tall poppy syndrome mm-hmm. um and as Christians, I suppose we're called to sort of break through that and um, build people up rather than play into that critical culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's um, very interesting in this uh, chapter when he talks about wanting what is good. So if someone's behaviour is, is a little bit off, um, we want the good for them and that's okay. That's a good, that's a good desire. But sometimes if we can notice in ourselves that we're impatient about the way we want that, like we want that yesterday, um, (laughs) we want that towards me and we want that, you know, in this certain way uh, when it's convenient for me, uh, then then that second part of of the way that we want it or when we want it might not be of God. And we actually found reading that this week really powerful. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know if it happens to you, but sometimes it's almost like there's a little spirit uh, hanging around with a highlighter that just goes and highlights the faults of whoever yes. around me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and you're like, get lost. I don't need you, you know, and you have to keep, it's like quite an effort to keep pushing those things away. And um, I found this really powerful to say, okay, well, if if this good that I am seeking in someone else is um, is being sought after with any kind of restlessness or impatience it's not of God and I can just know that immediately this is not of God um that's actually really really powerful because then um you can you can just combat that um so I've had this little visual image that I just find makes me laugh in the moment rather than get agitated with just thinking of my guardian angel you know of when that comes up of okay the highlighter is out and we've we've noticed something uh, if any anxiety comes, it's almost like I imagine my guardian angel with a two by four and just whack wherever that came from. <laughs> Take them out. Where it came. <laughs> yeah. And I just laugh and that's the end of it. It's so fun. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. I know. Yeah. I like that. Because he, he, he says in the book, you know, this practice is of great importance for our spiritual progress. Like it's yeah. so important to our wanting must always be caring, peaceful, patient, detached and abandoned to God. Like we often mm. want things in a human way but, you know, the saints in, in the book is telling us just about moderating those desires and being patient it's just just as you were talking, That's sister. Right. I was thinking of an example like in motherhood, like you were talking just about sometimes like we can want something which is really good, even excellent, but the way we go about getting it is bad. <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, I want my kids to behave. I want my kids to be on time. And I'm like, quick, 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 like in the car, quick, in the car, quick, brush your teeth, quick, get to bed, quick. And <laughs> it's like that. I was really actually convicted of that the other day because my daughter said, why do you always want us to be quick? <laughs> I was oh, like, ah, there's a hurried, impatient spirit there. <laughs> it <needs to> be. <laughs> so it's like, also, oh, yeah. It's funny, but it depersonalizes it. It's not, it's just not from God, you know? Yes. So it's so then you're a bit free then to just stand, stand in grace and go get lost. 
Yeah, well, I'm trying to bite my tongue. Literally, I've hurt my tongue by biting it this week. I have because reading this book has really convicted me of these areas in my own life and especially with motherhood, I guess, because, you know, we're just coming through this isolation where everyone's at home all the time Mm. and it's very human, obviously, to get irritated. But it's like, okay, but I'm a Christian. I'm, I'm a Catholic woman here who professes Jesus as my Lord and I and I want to experience his peace. I want my children to experience that peace. Like, okay, I actually have to put some of this into practice. It's not enough to talk about it on a podcast and sound really intelligent. Yeah. I actually have to live this in the day wow. in, day out with my kids. And That's- it's a daily decision, isn't it? It's about being intentional every day. Because, yeah, it's the self-awareness of knowing the gaps and, you know, I, I experienced something a few months ago where there was something irritating me and I was like, I, 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 I didn't pay attention to it. I just let it go. And then when, as soon as I was self-aware, I was like, okay, now I need to make a decision, be intentional and let it stop. I love that story of that St. Therese tells in the story of the soul where there was the nun in the chapel who would make those noises with her beads and it used to irritate St. Therese so much. And the more she focused on it, the more she looked for it, the more annoyed she got and (laughs) the more irritated she got. And I'm sure we've all got moments in our life where there's those beads. Mm. So real. Very real. (laughs) so real and she she just heard it more and more and those beads just got louder and louder but she realized just with that self-awareness of how it was taking away her peace that she needed to do something about it and so she tells um that she started offering it up that every time she heard that noise she would offer it up for the salvation of souls and to the point where she started getting excited and she started wanting to hear that noise <laughs> because it was another soul that she could offer it up for. And mm-hmm. that story has really helped me of different things that might happen in my day that might um, throw me off or where I lose my peace, where I can just go, I can offer this up. And, it, and offering that up can set us free. Yeah. And offering up for whatever particular intention we have in our life, it um, it can really help. Absolutely, I, I think that's a good yeah. um, challenge. I think that's a great place to end as a challenge for the coming week is this invitation to ask for the grace to grow in patience with others and to see their irritations as invitations to grow and for our own transformation and an opportunity to really love. I hope and pray that conversation was a real blessing to you and I really encourage you to take some time before the Blessed Sacrament and allow the truths contained in this little book to really penetrate your heart and your soul. If you are interested in a copy of the PDF journal for each episode, head on over to The Genius Project, www.geniusproject.co and fill out the form on the podcast page. Don't forget your challenge of the week and until next week, God bless you and have a beautiful week.